for tuning in to the Open Door Ministry Breadcrumbs Podcast with me, your host, Barbara Smith. We are here to share our blog articles with you in an audio format. We know that people are very busy and constantly on the go, but we all still need daily inspiration in our lives. It is our goal to share a few thought-provoking morsels that will challenge you to stay actively engaged in the Word of God. His Word is the bread of life. Twelve Paradoxes in Scripture Sermon Notes by Matt Carpenter According to the dictionary, a paradox is one, such as a person, situation, or action, having seemingly contradictory qualities or phases or a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense and yet is perhaps true, a self-contradictory statement that at first seems true, an argument that apparently derives self-contradictory conclusions by valid deduction from acceptable premises or a tenant contrary to received opinion. Here is an interesting did-you-know comment regarding the etymology of the word paradox. The ancient Greeks were well aware that a paradox can take us outside our usual way of thinking. They combined the prefix para, beyond or outside of, with the verb dokian, to think, forming paradoxus, an adjective meaning contrary to expectation. Latin speakers use that word as the basis for a noun paradoxum, which English speakers borrowed during the 1500s to create the word paradox. We may call this in the 21st century thinking outside the box. The word study alone is quite fascinating. However, let us get into the message. Someone reading this or listening to this might have already shut me off, thinking that there is no contradictions in Scripture. I would concur with that, that there are not, but would urge you to continue listening to see where this path will lead us. The Scripture is alive and can minister something new to us every time we read and study it. The first paradox is resting under a yoke. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. If you have any type of farmer in your blood, you know that a yoke is a large wooden beam, usually having two places carved out for oxen to be paired together with a collar to go around their necks to keep them attached. The reason we can rest and yet be under a yoke is because the partner next to us in the yoke is Jesus Christ. He did not say, work while it is day, for the night cometh, and then turn around and leave us alone. But he intended to never leave nor forsake us, as he had promised. Knowing this, we can be comforted while still being under the yoke. There is an old chorus we used to sing that said, 
Hand in hand we walk each day, hand in hand along life's way. Walking thus, I shall not stray, hand in hand with Jesus. The second paradox is, become great by becoming little. Jesus speaking once again in Matthew 18, 1 through 4, stated, At the time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You have probably seen a father put his young child on his countertop and say, jump and I will catch you. Most of the time there is no hesitation. The child jumps straight into the arms of their father. Though we were all born in sin and shapen in iniquity, when we are children, we still have an innocence a faith, a trust that has not yet been marred by the world and the experiences of life. It is God's will that we keep this simple, unwavering trust in Him all of our lives. The third paradox is, be exalted by being humble. In Matthew 23, verse 12, Jesus states, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. This concept encapsulates the very life of Jesus Christ himself. He was our supreme example. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 gives us this nutshell version. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So to be like Jesus is to remain in a lowest state of humility, and he will exalt us in due time. The fourth paradox is, rulership is gained through servitude. Mark ten forty two through 45 says, But Jesus called them to him, and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. We know that everything Jesus did in his life and his earthly ministry was done as an example for us to follow. One story stands out to me as a prime example of servitude. The disciples and Jesus were meeting at the Last Supper, and Jesus stood up from the table, set his garments aside, took the towel, and girded himself. 
and began to wash the disciples' feet. Peter was very offended by this and said, Not me, Lord. The Lord told him that if he did not wash his feet, that he would have no part of him. Of course, Peter, being impetuous, changed his tune quickly and said, Don't only wash my feet, but wash my whole body. Jesus then told them, If the Lord and the Master had washed their feet, then they should also be doing this for others. This now applies to us as we are disciples of the Lord Jesus. This is not a lesson on foot washing, but it has to do with serving where it is needed. People may not need their feet washed, but they may be in need of food or helping them change a tire or bringing them gas if they've run out of gasoline. And this principle now applies to us as disciples of the Lord Jesus. The fifth paradox is... We can only live by dying. John twelve twenty four through 25 Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. For there to be a new birth, there must first be a death and burial of the old man, through repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. It is a normal process in the cycle of life. We must leave an old homestead if we are moving and buying something new. We must leave 10th grade to move on to the 11th. Though it is painful at times, it is always worth it. The sixth paradox is we become wise by becoming fools. 1 Corinthians 1 verses 20 and 21 says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. When we choose to rely upon God to anoint us and give us the right words to say, we can impart wisdom. However, this is not always appreciated by the know-it-alls who think they have it all together. In 1 Corinthians 2, 4-5, Paul states, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. If we do things God's way, we have the full authority of his name and power backing us up. The seventh paradox is, we become free by becoming slaves. Romans 8, 1 through 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And Romans 6 verses 14 through 18 states, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid, know ye not, that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether by sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin. 
ye became the servants of righteousness. When we willingly serve our Lord and Savior, we are no longer in bondage. The eighth paradox is, we see the unseen, 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Romans 1.20 says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We walk by faith, not by sight. It is the way God operates. This is seen in the story of Abraham awaiting the promise of a son from the Lord, seen in Romans 4:16 through 18 Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have seen thee, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead, and called those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. He was called a father before he ever had children. The ninth paradox is, we are possessors by having nothing. Second Corinthians 6, 4-10 through 10 states, But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labor, in watching, in fasting, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. The tenth paradox is, we triumph by defeat. Second Corinthians 12 verse 7 states, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. When Esther made the decision to go into the king and made the statement, If I perish, I perish. There was great political unrest, and her life was on the line. However, she put her trust in God, and he brought victory. The Israelites were saved in the seven years of famine by the wisdom and leadership of Joseph. However, he first had to go through years in prison to be exalted to that position. We must not question God when we are going through a low time in our lives. He knows what is best, and he will bring us out more triumphant than before. The eleventh paradox is glory in infirmities. Second Corinthians 12 verse 5 says, Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. James 1 verses 2 through 4 tells us, 
My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Paul continues, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, And he said unto me, And my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. His grace will be all we need to see us through, and there will be joy at the end. Isaiah 61, 1-3 paints us a beautiful picture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. The twelfth paradox is, when we are weak, then we are strong. This concept continues from the prior thought. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, it states, Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. This is a lesson taught in every book of the Bible, starting in Genesis, all the way to Revelation. God fought the battles for his people. Gideon won the battle against the Midianites with 300 men, lanterns, pitchers, and trumpets, and God. Samson won battles when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and gave him strength. David conquered Goliath with a sling and a few smooth stones, and God. We could recount stories like this all day long, which show that the strength was not of man, but of God. When we rely upon Him, there is nothing we cannot see accomplished in our lives. The philosophy of the world does not understand God's ways because it projects pride, power, fame, possessions, and pleasures. Yet, in their pursuit of these carnal desires, they lose the real treasures, which are love, grace, mercy, joy, peace, hope, righteousness, and eternal life. Isaiah 55, 6-9 states, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let them return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This applies to us as a nation and individually today. Seek him while you can. Begin casting your cares upon him and trusting him. And surprisingly, you will see these paradoxes come true in your life as well. Thanks for joining us today. We trust you have been nourished and blessed. Always remember the Lord is faithful and His mercies are new every morning. Until next time, God bless.